they hate. And I know better than to listen to the people who are calling us names. I can feel the Good evening, everyone. My name is Brian, and today is Thursday, July 6th, 2023, and this is another episode of Lots to Talk About. This is another pre-recorded episode as we're just starting off our journey uh, all of July, taking off on a road trip, so I got everything pre-recorded, so it's being released. If you have questions, comments, throw them in the chat, and if they are relevant, I will be sure to get them on to our guest, but with that, let me introduce my guest today owns and operates a website design and branding company with his wife. He ditched the corporate world and is doing his own thing. Like most of us that listen to this show, he started to also pull some strings, looking into some systems that control us. Here to talk about his entrepreneurial journey, taking that leap and doing it with your spouse, how that can be good and bad. I would like to welcome two lots to talk about. Alex Pauls. How are we doing, Alex? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Brian. Well, no problem. No problem. You reached out and uh, you were like, hey, I'm an entrepreneur and I've kind of started sniffing around some weird stuff that's going on and looking into different stuff. Um, I'd love to come on and chat. And I was like, all right, that seems like a pretty good fit. Um, introduce yourself. I kind of give a little background there, but uh, kind of tell my audience who you are and, uh, and what you got going on. Then we'll kind of circle back and, and figure out how you got there. Sure. I'm uh, Alex Pauls. I'm coming to you from Cochrane, Alberta. I'm just your, I used to be your average everyday normal guy. And then all of a sudden I got struck with this lightning bolt that uh, I was on this giant hamster wheel and I needed to really change things up and make my life worth, you know, if, if someone, if I were to write a book about my life, I would want it to be as interesting as possible. And, uh, <laughs> You know, I had some cool stuff going on, but I just thought, man, I was born for something a little bit wilder. So here I am and I'm still on that journey. And, you know, we, we can cover up up until now. Right. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, well, we can cover the future. I mean, at least uh, uh, plans and stuff. But anyway, so right now uh, in the intro, I was saying that you own uh, own a company with your wife doing website design and branding. Is that what you've kind of been in your whole life or did you decide to have a career and then do a, a 90 degree turn or uh, is it is it kind of followed in suit? So my wife and I, we met when we were 15 years old and we got married when we were 20. And uh, like I said, I just wanted to be a, an average normal guy. I wanted to be an electrician. So I actually became a, a power electrician for about uh, 10 years. And then I, um, when my second daughter was born, I got out of the field and went into the office, became a, you know, electrical engineering assistant. And I did that for about five years. So I mean, it was a pretty solid job, um, you know, government and pension and, and all those things. But I just, uh, there's just something calling me that uh, we had always talked about wanting to work together and figuring out a way that, that we could do that. And this electrician thing wasn't turning into that. So I somehow manifested a, a buyout. Um, and that like I had the least amount of time, which was 15 years for the maximum amount of buyout. So I got an eight month buyout. And we sold our house and every most of the things that we owned and we took our kids, we have two daughters They're uh, at the time they were eight and five. And it's actually the six year anniversary, like today that we oh, did nice. it. so it's kind of cool that we're doing this recording so i can kind of you know re recapture some of that terror and magic of you know <laughs> jumping off the cliff and your parents like my parents were telling me i was crazy for leaving this government job and i had worked 15 years on it but there's just this calling you know when you're when you're called to do something uh you don't want to be on your deathbed regretting that you didn't you know make that leap and Man, what a, I mean, that was six years ago and man, what an amazing journey. So, I mean, there's lots to fill in there, but to answer your question, like no regrets. I left that job. We traveled Europe. Uh, we oh, wow. I checked off so many things on my bucket list in those three or four months with my kids that I could have died at the end of that trip and I would have been okay. Like that's how epic of an adventure it was. And then when we came back, we started playing chess on how we could, come together reverse I reverse engineered my role with our company because she had already been doing website design and okay and branding so she already had her company it was just a matter of 
me coming in and bringing in my skills, my math skills, my nerd skills, my people skills, and, and growing the business. And you know, just kind of she. So she had she had already started. Uh, she was working for herself, and you joined her. Was she working for someone else, and you kind of came together and did your own thing? No, my my wife's kind of the original. Uh, one of the original like work from home serial entrepreneurs since uh, I would say 2001. We worked up in, uh, I worked up in uh, Northern Manitoba with her and this was like dial up internet days back in like 2000. And she still managed to work online and, and design websites on, on dial up, which was pretty wild. Nice. And, nice. And, so, uh, she, so she had the, so she had the kind of the, the backbone of it and you were just a value add. And I can see, um, I can see the, the office, the office side, the, the tech, uh, assistant side coming in handy in building that sort of, in building the structure of the business for sure. Yeah, for sure. Like I'm a, I'm a big numbers guy. She's so creative and she's very, uh, spiritual and she managed, manages to manifest all these different things. And I kind of help wrangle that in and, and transform the business into, you know, more money. And we were working with a business coach that helped get our pricing right. So I can't take credit for everything that that we do. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle. It's not just me, but her, her being a serial entrepreneur, man, like these people are built differently. So I really respect people who are entrepreneurs. Like if it was me just by myself, I probably would have cried and quit like 50 times. Like this is too hard. I, I'm going to go back to the office and you know, just be a regular person again. But these people with that entrepreneur blood in them, man, I have so much respect for them. So, so you kind of, so you were, you were, you had come to a point where you were just done working for them. You knew you wanted to go do something. So did you, did you plan this three month adventure? Was this like uh, something that you, you planned out or did you kind of say, all right, um, I have my buyout. I got this chunk, chunk of cash. Let's go experience some stuff and go with the wind takes us or did you kind of lay things out and um, have a plan and were you planning to come back and work with your wife when you got done um, or just figure it out when you got done? Yeah. So my original plan was just to sell everything and for us to just go and do it. And then magically, like, seriously, this is how, like, if your audience is religious at all, I mean, like you want to talk about like evidence of God, maybe not proof of God, but evidence of God. I tell my boss, like, this week in January, okay, like, this will be my last year. This is what I'm planning. And then the next week, all of a sudden, the company needs to, um, in a nice way, lay off a 1,000 people. So they're going to do a 1,000 buyout packages buyout. For, for early retirement, which is a really classy move. And yeah, I mean, like, you got to respect the company that just doesn't, you know, show up. Everybody shows up on Friday and they get a, a note that says unemployment. You can call them. Here's the number. Exactly. So real classy move. I obviously wasn't on the chopping block because I was only halfway into my career. I'm a valuable asset to them. But man, what an opportunity to like, it's divine, right? Like, how, how is that possible? They've never had that before. And all of a sudden I'm qualifying for the least amount of time for the maximum amount of buyout. And all of a sudden, our entire trip and then some is planned. My only regret is that I did not buy Bitcoin with that with that extra money. Man, if I could have a time machine, I would have got about 10 grand worth of Bitcoin. And I would be we would have be having a very different conversation right now. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, that's um, that's one thing. And I, I got over it eventually. But at one point when we were downsizing and selling our homestead and selling everything, um, I was going through some old notebooks and I found the note that I wrote to myself and I was trying to figure out how to scrape together a hundred dollars to buy Bitcoin when it was $12 a coin. Oh my goodness. And, um, I was just so pissed broke at the time or like needed to buy beer more than anything. And, uh, I couldn't scrape together a hundred bucks, but oh, I had man. to burn it. I was like, Oh yeah, this is over. I got to stop thinking about this ifs and buts, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the world would be a different place. Yeah, if we just had a bunch of Michael Jordan rookie cards in our closet and, you know, some Bitcoin, we'd be totally fine, right? Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, especially, yeah, I grew up, I was born in the late 70s, so all the way through 80s and 90s, you had all those things that, you know, oh, we, they'll be, they'll be valuable. And your parents are like, it's junk, it's junk. Yeah. We had that stuff when we were kids too, blah, blah, blah. And now you yeah. look back yeah. and you're like, 
people sold what for what? Right. It's so funny. I went through, it's funny that you said that because I just was in my garage looking for a couple things and I found a couple old cards that are worth like a couple grand on, on eBay. I'm like, I can't believe people are buying this. So I should probably revisit that. Yeah. One of, one of the guys, I was telling you that some of the audience is up in, in Alberta and one of them does, um, did bank repo clean outs and stuff. And he was always found in weird shit like that. And he had an eBay account that was just great. Just, just random stuff. And he'd find something and he'd be like, he'd just search it real quick. And if it didn't have a, a decent price, it went to the dump. But man, he pulled some stuff out that you'd be like, some guy just had this laying in his closet. Bank was repo. It's uh, some baseball card or basketball card. Yeah. Yeah. Holy crap. It's amazing what people value. You know, you it, if you don't realize it, right? Like Pokemon cards, like some of this stuff is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So you took off, you got this buyout, and you sold the house. So where you were up in in northern Manitoba, you said. So that's that's way up there. Oh, that this was actually in, near Winnipeg when we did sell the house. Like we'd eventually moved down. Oh, okay. So I didn't live. I wasn't tough enough to live in northern Manitoba for more than four years. That was long enough. Now I can barely stand the cold. Uh, so so you sold did you have a target where you were going did you have a place you wanted to land yeah actually so our our goal was to start in ireland because that was on the bucket list to see ireland which i highly recommend to everybody because if you want to see like heaven on earth you go to ireland and it like checks off all the boxes but then i wanted to go to germany to visit uh like a lot of my family a lot of my family is there so we spent a month there and then my wife's family is originally from Hungary. So the bucket list was to um, go to a couple of the cemeteries, meet a couple of the long lost relatives in Hungary. So we went there too. And we basically crossed uh, all of Europe in three months. That was pretty cool for to be for your kids to be able to experience that, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, at the time, I, I thought it was kind of hilarious that they were, you know, taking it for granted. They'd be on their iPads or or whatever and not, and not looking out and about. Like, th- this is what... You know, this is what every kid would kind of like go back in a time machine and like wish for, right? But uh, we we did document the trip very well, and we open up um, some of the photo books once in a while, and they they don't. I guess they, I guess they were still a little young. You said they were like five and eight at that time. Five and eight. Yeah, yeah. That's still a little young, I guess. I mean, yeah. the eight, eight, eight year old probably had a had a good idea, like this is pretty something pretty special. But you know, five, you're like. We went to the grocery store yesterday too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's uh, it, it was interesting to see, you know, them go to different places. And we always joke that they've had chicken, chicken nuggets, and fries in every in like eleven or twelve different countries. And uh, right. meanwhile, there's all this amazing food and <laughs> right. all these experiences. What do you want, uh, McDonald's? Yeah, we just want chicken fingers, and we're. We're, me, me and my wife got really good at drinking in public in uh, in Europe. It's like not that frowned upon, so it was quite funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you took the took the dream trip, and 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 I I've always thought, you know, I, I'm thinking about you telling you got your buyout, and that's usually something that comes way closer to retirement, and usually like early retirement some for some people you know they're getting it at 62 years old instead of 65 and they just start their retirement early but i've always wondered about taking those trips like in the middle of your life those those retirement trips like the the once in a lifetime type of thing if if most people are lucky if most people are lucky they could take a trip like that um at the end of their career let alone in the middle yeah. of of their of their life and I've, I've thought a lot about um, having the wealth or living as though you have the freedom and the wealth when you're still young, not when you retire and you're like, yeah. oh, eh, do I really want to go do this? I'm tired. Yeah, th- this was a big thing to me in, in my mind, like in my inspiration was I didn't want to be that guy that retires at 65 and then like dies three days later. Right. I didn't. I didn't want to be that guy that retires at 65, and then who knows what my health is, and then I can't do the things that I want to. I, I realized that what I did was extremely risky, but I mean, look at all the people who've taken like the biggest risks, right? There's there's a lot of reward to it, and I would say that I was rewarded handsomely with the experiences. I mean, I was 38 years old, 39 years old, so I'm pretty much in my prime. And it's not like I was dead in the water either. Think about that. If you're a skilled 
person. I have lots of papers on the wall. I had a lot of great experience. I didn't leave on bad terms. I got this like lot, basically a lottery ticket handed to me from God. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't I take it? I always joke, like if, if your company is going to pay you to leave, you leave and you know, you go and experience something or you invest it or you, you do something. I invested in travel. I invested in something that is so priceless that my family, they'll think about that forever. I mean, even like at my funeral, my kids will probably talk about what, what I did and the, you know, how big of balls it took their dad to do what he did and, and not know, like just totally take a leap of faith and not know. And then still manage to find a way back to writing a book, writing a couple books, actually working, working with their mother, working from home during the last two years when everything was crazy. We thanked, we were thankful. I mean, we're, it was kind of crazy that we were all stuck in the house together for two years. But at the same time, we were grateful that the government wasn't telling us what we could or couldn't do with, with ourselves. Like we controlled, you know, our destiny, other than the fact that they wouldn't let us go to anywhere except the grocery store. But right. Right. Yeah. Having... You, uh, I, I was, I, it was nice having, um, contacts that were kind of, it. I had a bunch in Canada, obviously a bunch in the U S and some sprinkled over the, around the world through the whole thing and seeing the different levels of insanity that were going on in different places. And Canada was rough, man. I'm not oh, going to lie. Um, I thought yeah. Alberta would be tougher. Like I thought it would be the Texas of, of Canada right. and man, we, right. we weren't as tough as I thought we would be. Like I was kind of the minority. I'm looking around like guys, like this is propaganda, you know, yeah. like, uh, uh, you know what? And, uh, and I'll say like, I was cautious at first, but after one week of two weeks to flatten the curve, I was like, come on guys, this is like not science. This is science. Yeah. You know? I never, I so a lot of people, a ton of people here were just basically stay home, pay you to stay home. Um, yeah. non-essential worker, the essential worker thing. Uh, I worked on gas pumps. We were essential workers. Uh, I would have made more money if they told me to go home than I was going to work and dealing with all of this crap. Right. And the right. dirtiest place you're ever going to meet or you're ever going to be, the most disgusting thing you're ever going to pick up is a gas handle. And no yeah. one yeah. thinks about how many disgusting people pick these things up on a daily basis touch the door handles all the whole nine yards and i'm like all right well i'm gonna be cautious you know i'm i'm not a dumb person like i understand that there's things that can kill you out there yeah. and i'm yeah. dealing with all these gross people so <laughs> let's let's wade this out yeah. so i wore my gloves and i used my sanitizer and that crap that they gave me and i'm like okay i'm paying attention i'm paying attention to what they're saying and they said the first thing that came out was this report that how long the virus lived on different surfaces. It was mm -hmm. like, it lives for two days on plastic on metal. It lives for two, a day on plastic, blah, 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 all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, well now at least I have a timeline. Like I know if I, if I spray this down, blah, blah, and all this stuff. Well, it was a couple of weeks later, another report came out and it said the timeline on plastic is 40 minutes. The timeline on metal is an hour and a half. But like a week earlier, they were saying like a day and two days. And I'm like, okay, somebody put out a report because if now it only lives this long, it never lived as long as they said it did. So nobody tested shit. So they just right. made it up. Well, and I, that I, was kind of like my in, I think in, uh, in Canada, they just skipped that all together and just went straight airborne. It's just like you're screwed. <laughs> it's just airborne. It's airborne. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And yeah. So it was, it was that point I was like, okay, this is bullshit. Like I I'm a rational human being. You just lied to me. So I can't, I can't trust anything you're saying. So I'm going to look into science a little bit and not trust the science, like actually think about it rationally. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is, this is a cold. Like this is uh this is a bad cold. And yeah, it sucks. If you get it and you're you're susceptible to something, yeah, it's gonna suck. I'm not. I'm a I'm a I'm an early 40s male in relatively good health that works every day and is active. I don't have breathing issues. I'm okay. And they just went down all the restrictions at work. And like you said, um, the government not giving you being able to tell you kind of control you because you were employed by yourself. 
Right. I also have the stability of being willing to say no. Like, you're not going. I've lost my job more times than you can count in my life. I've been laid off. I've been fired. I've quit. I've been seasonally worker. Um, you want me to? You want me to do what? No. Well, we'll fire you. Okay. Right. Like I, I got to a point where I was able to say, "It is what it is," and I'll make it work. A lot of it was because I had my farm which I don't have right now, because if I had to go home, I had deep freezers full of food. I didn't have to go to the grocery store. And that was really nice during COVID is I didn't have to go to the store. Like you were allowed. The only place you were allowed to go was the store. I never went because I didn't have to. Right. I, I had it on hook. I had it in freezer and I had a hydroponics garden. So insulating yourself. And the one way you were able to do that is through entrepreneurship is a fantastic way to kind of combat that. For sure. And I think one of the big things that nobody talks about is liability. Um, None of the vaccine manufacturers are liable. So therefore, as an employee, like, and I know my rights, and I know a little bit about the law. And the more that I study, the, the sharper I'm getting, right, I'm sharpening my swords here. But you should if your company is forcing you to get vaccinated, all you have to do is all you have to do, like it's an easy thing. Nobody really knows this, but you serve them with a notice of liability right. and then watch them backpedal how quickly that would happen. Like if they were all of a sudden served with a notice of liability, that if something happened to you because safe and effective, right? Next thing you know, that was my biggest red flag. I was doing research. I went onto the what is it, WHO or whatever website and they mm-hmm. said. This is perfectly safe and effective. And I'm like, well, that's a lie because it can't like no medicine ever. Like you li- you live in America. You've watched TV commercials about drugs. Nothing yeah. is perfectly safe and effective. Here's here's what it, symptoms it masks. And here are the 50,000 side, side effects. effects that possible side effects. Yeah. So nothing is perfectly safe and effective. And that's a lie right off the hop. Right. So that's why I say that there's a difference between science and scientism. Scientism is a total cult. It's all based on lies and it has nothing to do with real science. It's all propaganda and people telling you that you hate your grandmother or you hate everybody's grandmother and you want them dead. If you don't listen to scientism and the people on the white coast. Right. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, the medical industry was actually what got me and uh, and my wife going down this road um, because of prescription uh, prescription and the the medical advice from a doctor versus what was actually written on the pamphlet for the drug made us go, wait, what's going on? And those were the strings that we started pulling. And so we came out of the medical industry, but that was in like 2012. So by the time by the time COVID came around, I had a healthy distrust for the medical industry in, in, in just in general. So when this came out, it was like red flags flashing going, okay, no, I I just can't, I can't buy in. And to watch the people, the thing that scared me the most was watching, watching people that I thought would never buy into things, buy into them. I mean, hey, it, very, it was military grade propaganda, though. Very right? effective. Very, military very effective. grade propaganda. And we've seen we've seen for years on news and stuff that you know it's the same. Like that, you you see the clips where they just clip the same soundbite from all the different local news broadcasts. This was coordinated like worldwide. Like yeah. it, it this this was on a scale that kind of went okay. I I just need to live my life because I can't worry about this shit. Like, this is way over me. There's nothing I'm doing about it. And yeah. I could tell a million people and a million people all saying it and believing what I have to say. It doesn't matter because this is way bigger than me. I got to figure something out how to live my life. Yeah. Uh, the way I like to look at the world now is like all the politicians and like all the world leaders. It's like WWF wrestling. Like you got your Vince McMahon and then all these guys, they kind of. They're, they're, you know, backstage, they're all friends, but then they come out and they wrestle and like, oh, we hate Russia. We hate China. Meanwhile, it's all, they're all buddies. They're all like, it's, it's all the same thing. We're, we're regular people. We're not those people. And 99, 99.9% of the population, all they want to do is separate us any which way they can. That's really, that's really all it is, is you got your, your wrestling superstars up there. 
we're the fans and they want to control our emotions and and steal our energy one way or another and try and divide us right like once you once you start looking at at it the right way and realizing that we're not all racists and we're not all like hate each other's and we're not all phobes of whatever you know whatever they want to say we are like 99.9% of us want the american dream we want you know life liberty and the pursuit of happiness that's anybody like you go across the world that that is like the goal for anybody uh whether you're in china whether you're in australia whether you're in um the north pole whatever if you're a santa claus you want to live a good life and be and be happy I froze up on you. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm waiting. <laughs> I got uh, I got Starlink and it, it blips in and out randomly. So um, anyway, I, so I, I hear you. You so you've you've definitely kind of seen the 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 game that that they played the propaganda game. Is this something that you've kind of used in your business in a branding business? Are there techniques that you you can see? Like I can see this be very very. You've you've obviously looked into it. Are these are these techniques that you can kind of translate into helping a business? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, so it's funny. Like I read this book, like How to Win Friends and Influence People, and I had to put it down. I was just like, man, this is so like like scummy. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to manipulate people. Like I say influence, but you're basically manipulating people, right? So I do understand psychology. We do uh, a lot of studying on these things. And I would say that we do a good job of not per perverting it. We, like for me as a, as a salesperson, in my mind, the way I go into a meeting is consciously or subconsciously, I try and check off as many boxes as I can for our potential clients. And I learned from our previous ones, what maybe questions I didn't answer properly, or what topics uh, I should address more. And I use that knowledge going forward to try and check off more boxes and add more value when I'm doing a, a pitch. And then my wife, she is very intuitive. She, how do I explain it? Like she has divine design in her and she'll go out for a walk and after meeting with a person and figuring out the things that they're saying and the things they're not saying, and she will intuitively uh, just come up with this divine creation and, and put it out there. And I really think that that's something very special. And that's why she's so good. She's been doing it for 22 years and just trying to put language to what she does is, is very interesting. She, so. she can very, she can visualize a concept Um she she can visualize and put into visual um, the culmination of everything about someone in their business. Right, like she she respects the, uh, who the business owner is, but she also respects who they're trying to target, and then she meets them both in the middle to try and build this thing that attracts both to each other. And is she is she mostly on the visual side? Do you guys do a lot of? Um, is it mostly the visual? Uh, do you do um, branding as far as slogan, slogans and, and that yeah. stuff? Is, is, so that on you? Is, that on, is that on her? Do you uh, kind of share those responsibilities? I would say it's uh, I would say it's probably 90 percent on her. Uh, we might we might uh, tag team some of the language and some of the things, especially when I'm doing SEO. I'll I'll you know, we'll ping pong back and forth on what uh, what the wording should be if. Uh, we need to change some things up so that we rank better on Google. Okay. But, uh, yeah. So the, it's uh, it's very interesting. Like it's really fun. I like I like working with her. It's it's just an awesome thing. So when we wrote the book, we basically went into it as a challenge. It was like fifteen blog post questions, and we basically wrote like fifteen blogs, and then like you know chunked it up and put it into this book that we co-authored with with another two couples and. Uh, that was a really fun experience to really just go into why you should, you know, work with your spouse when you team up with this person that you're meant to be with. And like, think about it, like you, you're going to spend like 30 years working towards something like you're everybody's goal is retirement. Right. I learned at 38, my goal isn't retirement. My goal is to get as many tools in the toolbox as possible. And then when I get old enough, I'll start mentoring or I can start. Um, you know, being a business consultant to try and help other businesses. And that way I stay relevant and valuable and I'm helping the next generation and I can still make money doing that. Right. I don't have to just, 
you know, right off into the sunset and, and be of no use. Like, I don't understand um, how these people like at 55 just walk off into the sunset and then, you know, yeah. Uh, I can't do it. I, uh, I, I like you kind of, uh, took a direction where, and I think it was, I, I realized it a long time before I actually, um, actually believed it, but, um, I was never, I was never the guy that was like, I can't wait till 65 and retirement. And there was one day, so I did a lot of blue collar jobs, a lot of tech jobs, um, this and that. And, you know, you have the retirement parties. Guy's been there for 50 years, started when he was 18, finally saved up enough at 68 to retire. 50-year anniversary was last year. And you see the pictures. And I was in a lot of tech groups on Facebook and things that we share troubleshoot stuff. And they always post the pictures. The companies post the retirement pictures. Yeah, yeah. None of those sons of bitches were smiling. <laughs> nobody nobody in those rooms were smiling. Nobody in that was retiring that got their gold watch was smiling. They were all sitting around eating their pizza that they got for the 400th time and having a cake to tie today's special because John's retiring. Now we're having a cake today. Right. And I was like, what's the point? Like you're, you're retiring, you're, you're ending your career and you're not sad. Like you weren't, what you weren't looking at him going, Oh, he's upset that he's not going to come to work. Like he just was indifferent. Right. And I'm like, no, that that's not worth it. So I I am more than willing to take a lateral move or now I'm just doing my own thing, trying to eventually end up working with my spouse who is basically supporting me right now. Um, but uh, it was I was more than willing to take a lateral move or even a step back to learn something new. And as soon as soon as I learned enough, like I take that entry level whatever I could bullshit my way into getting because I have enough of a experience and background, like I could relate it uh, to get the highest level I could entry level, learn as much as I could and then find a new job. Cause I get bored. I think as far as men go, I think we have a lot of pride where like when I walked away, I, I knew that I was going to have to lean on my wife a little bit. <laughs> and um, it was, sorry, I'm got some ringing here. Anyway, <laughs> I, I knew I was going to have to lean on her and uh, it, it's just marriage is never 50 50. So that's that's kind of my takeaway that, you know, when when she was having the kids and she was not working as much, though, they were they were all leaning on me like 90 percent. Like I, I would come home covered in oil and whatever. I'd go shower and I'd come down and I'd get on the floor and I'd start playing with them so she could rest or or, or whatever. It's just. If anyone ever thinks that marriage is 50-50, they're already like signed up for a loss. Like Oh, I mean, for the whole time we were together, other than periods of where I had been laid off or I was attempting to start another business because I got laid off, um, I, I made sure she worked four days a week. Like you work 32 hours, you don't work 40 hours. I'll work 60 hours so you can work 32 hours. Now at this point where we decided to sell the house, use the assets to kind of buy me some time to build something. And um, I was able to take on more responsibility. Uh, she was able to jump on Fridays. But the thing, and she works five days now, she works full time. But the thing that she understood in that deal, which was great, and I never even had to say a word about it, was you work 32 hours, but you know what you she did on Fridays? She cleaned the house. She went and got groceries. She did the laundry. She did extra chores. She did this and that because she appreciated the fact that she didn't have to go to work five days. Yeah. So she, she pulled eight hours and not right now. I feel as though I'm paying and she's, she's definitely uh, helping me out, but I'm trying, I go and do the, I do the, get the groceries and I do this because she is working full time. And anytime I had gotten fired and she was working, it, one funny thing. So you said marriage is at 50, 50. And, uh, so my, I had gotten fired and, uh, I was, I was, She's like, well, you have unemployment and they gave me a severance because they turned it was wrongful termination. Like they had no reason to fire me. It was I just made too much money and they were shifting gears. So they fired me instead of anything else. Wow. Um, so uh, whatever I had, uh, I had a little buyout in there and this and that. So I had some time and I had unemployment that lasted for three months. And so it was summer at the farm. We had a bunch of supplies to get some projects done. And she said, take three months, take three months and do some projects. 
And I said, okay. Every day when she came home, the laundry was done. The house was clean. I made her dinner and I got projects done during the day. And so I got a job. I got a job and I called her and I said, Hey, I, I got that job. I start on Tuesday. And she told her coworkers, she's like, Hey, Brian got a job. And they're like, Oh, you gotta be so excited. She's like, no, I'm losing my house husband. Right. She's right. like, she's like, it, man, I would love to just keep him home. It was great. I'd come home and he made dinner for me and everything was folded and put away. Yeah. There, <laughs> so. There's so many, well, there's a good way to look at it. And there's a bad way to look at it. And you, you definitely took the good way about it you know for and you would appreciate the same thing if you came home and everything was taken care of that's i mean oh, that's, absolutely but we respect yeah. each other enough to i'm not gonna i'm not gonna have the time and Jen just sit home and do nothing well i'm not bringing in income but i'm bringing in value and sure. uh we've really switched our lives to a value for value uh not just between us but in general uh money isn't really everything it's not even anything really it, it's it's a, an exchange of value so if i can exchange value other ways and get the things i need what's money really yeah my, I, we always say that money is just make-believe especially at this point so yeah 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 the hard assets are are, uh, are something different <laughs> yeah yeah hey if you want to read a cool book um ch- uh, check this out it's called meet your straw man for you and your audience i don't know if you've heard mm-hmm. of it but nope Man, everybody in America and Canada should be reading this book. Like, I don't know. There's there's a lot of nuggets in there, and uh, if they they talk a lot about bankers' wars, they talk a lot about uh, how the how your birth certificate works when you're born. And oh, if you want to if you want to down, jump down a very interesting rabbit hole and how you know these bankers they create you know when you go for a mortgage they basically create this invisible money out of nowhere and they give it to you and they pretend like, Oh, they're doing you this huge favor. And then, and then you pay back basically three times what the initial, I mean, this is basically how the system works. And when you, you know, uh, start learning more and more about it and there's different loopholes. And this is what the part of the journey that I'm on is there's different loopholes that you can start like trying to figure your way, your way through. And I'm not quite there yet, but, you know what, if anybody's interested in a very interesting rabbit hole, this is a, a good place to start. Meet your straw man, right? Yeah, meet your straw man. It's this invisible entity that's not you, that's kind of created when you're born that nobody really knows about. And uh, Oh, yeah. Kind of- okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've, dove, I've, I've dived in a little, um, done a little exploring into that. Um, yeah, you have a value. Your, your yeah. social security number has a value more than anything. Yeah. So I don't know how, like in Canada, they're passing uh, or they just passed like bill C11 or C16. It's basically uh, online censorship bill. So our stuff is going to start getting uh, filtered more and more uh, mm-hmm. in the, in the future. So like, who knows, like we might not even be able to talk like this in the future. And uh, I mean, like books like this, they might get burned. They might get totally censored. Like they might totally get rid of books like 1984. Like I read Animal Farm to the kids when we were uh, having COVID and, you know, like trying to explain to them, like, this is like human nature. Like we're using this allegory of animals, but this is like, this is how things work. So they're now, so they're now like uh, 12 and 15 ish now. So they're they're kind of 12 now. Yeah very very more kind of open to to listening than uh, than when they were younger my 15 year old she's a little more indoctrinated in the schools and my my youngest <laughs> she's just like oh yeah dad's crazy conspiracies there they totally make sense i'm like right they totally make sense like we're digging all these rabbit holes and they bring their friends over and warn them about dad is like dad's gonna be in the other room just rambling on just Oh yeah. Once, once they get me going on like flat earth and stuff like that, then they're just like oh, losing yeah. their minds. It's so funny, but oh, I just love giving them a hard time, but telling you, man, there's so many rabbit holes. I'm like, man, I don't know what to believe anymore. There's just so the government is just so full of lies that we should not trust anything they say ever. So let What's like what you did build the homestead, get as far away from the government as you can. That should be the, right? that should be the goal of everyone. For sure. For sure. Um, what are some of the challenges working with the spouse? Uh, I'm, I'm headed down this journey. Like uh, the goal is for me to build this enough that eventually she can join me. Um, 
And so what are some of the, the goal, the challenges of living or living, working everything with your spouse? And, and I think I might be able to relate with this living in an RV with, uh, with my spouse. Yeah, there you go. It's uh, I love this question because uh, I, I always tell the story of, you know, it was her business. It is her business. She's the CEO of this one person business. And she sat me down one day, not as her husband, but as a potential employee and I really had to check my ego at the door. Like this was a really interesting moment in, in our lives, in our relationship, because we dated for five years. We'd been married for probably 20 at the time. And all of a sudden she's sitting me down almost like this subordinate. And it's like, okay, look, this is my business. This is what we do. This is how we take care of our clients. We don't overpromise, underdeliver. It was a real serious talk. Like it, we we totally shifted gears. And and I was just like, wow, that was pretty wild like to have this almost out of body experience and to know that even now like it I'll come up with some ideas and then we bounce them off of each other but she has final say and I have and I do have to respect that and it's not like oh I'm the man I'm the dominant like <laughs> it's and I'm smart like there's a lot of times where I go into the garage and I smash my tools around and it's like ah she, she shit on another one of my ideas like come on she, man like, she's messing she's you're messing with her baby man like that's yeah. mama that's mama bear um who raised that that business that's that's yeah. her uh, so it's, not, really, that shit. <laughs> it, it's really important to define the roles like out, outside of the relationship right, right. and i think a, a really good part about what we do is i don't step on her toes and she doesn't really step on my toes like she might have to remind me to do some things and I might have to ask her about some stuff, but our, our, it's not like we're both designing websites and then we're picking each other apart. I'm very much on my side doing my thing, the things that she doesn't like to do and I'm not stepping on her toes. I think this is a real, I, 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 I don't know how others couples would do it if they had to do the exact same thing and kind of artistically judge each other's work or, or things like that. I mean, there's times where she asks me for my opinion and I'm not a yes man. So it's like, if something doesn't hit me, I'll tell her, I'm like, Oh, I think you missed the mark. And then I don't think you, I don't think you can work together. I, I, I mean, I really, Corey and I are uh, flat out. Like if, if I'm being a dick to her, she'll be like, so what's, what's the deal today? Why are you being such an asshole? Um, <laughs> figure it out or let me know how long it's going to be. So I can just ignore you for that. Uh, right. And I'll do the same to her. And I think I think any good relationship, you have to be able to do that. Um, but especially if you're in a relationship and then working together, too, uh, because like you said, you know, you define those roles. But if you can't if you can't tell your partner, if you can't tell your partner what you're thinking, how are you going to tell your coworker who happens to be your partner what you're right. thinking? And right. uh, so I, I'm. I, same with living in the RV, dude. Like, I walk out. So there's nowhere to go. There is no yeah. like. If I get pissed at her, it's like I gotta sit here and look at her, or I gotta go outside. And if it's raining, I gotta go out in the rain. And yeah. so, you you just kind of lay it on the table and get over it real quick. And I think I think when you work together, that's that's gotta be a thing. I think one of um, our our mega tips is. Uh, whenever something is tense or whenever we have to have a really serious conversation, we actually go for a really long walk and we're not like facing each other. We're just kind of like walking and, and talking forwards. And it's not such a confrontational event when we're kind of the emotions might get high. We might start walking faster <laughs> and, and we're ha and we're hashing it out. But serious, this is a serious like secret to success. I could probably write a book just about this topic and how important it is to um, not be so confrontational, uh, but still be able to hash it out. And yeah. it's not like at each other. You're kind of like, like in nature and you're just kind of hammering out this, um, this, this conflict and being able to manage conflict without it becoming destructive is one of our superpowers. And I encourage any couple to work on that superpower as well. If you, if you can have this conflict without having it be destructive, but making it a constructive thing the, the the amazing stuff that comes out of it you'll actually look forward to the next conflict if you know how to you know hammer it out together in a in a really good positive way like it might get emotional but if you if you find a way to kind of 
almost take it out or or channel it in a better way, amazing things come from it. Like if if it's if there's never a conflict, you're not growing either. No. Does that make sense? <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. If if you never disagree with each other, you're lying. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. honestly, like this flat out and it and that that says nothing about any person in any relationship. If there's no two human beings that get along every single minute of every single day. So don't tell me you don't have conflict or you're lying. And if right. you don't deal with it, then you're just hiding it. Right. And it's we gonna always, get worse. So we always have like the secret to our success, like we've been married for almost 25 years. The secret to our success is we have the tough conversations early on as early on as we can. And we don't let it like fester. And I know it might be tough for somebody that's like five years married, seven years married. There's a real thing, a seven year itch. That's a real tough, that's a tough go in a marriage. And you're still, but that's the thing. You're figuring out how to do conflict properly still. And once, once that's, that's what long marriages are. Like they're wise. They, they manage, they master the conflict and they turn it into positives that they, they turn it into something that's better and um she always checks me when when something's not good we, she has that tough conversation with me early and it sucks like i have to eat my shit pie and <laughs> yeah. and, hate it, and hate it for a bit but then afterwards like once it like goes through me it's uh that's funny shit pie that goes through me and uh, once it like goes through me it's like oh man it's like the best medicine it's like that's what I needed to hear. Like only somebody that cares about you that much is going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And right. That's, well, that, that's so the important. other thing. People people think that they're helping you by making you feel good, and it's it like, yeah. I got I found a winner with the one I have because we just kind of both realized this. We were both coming out of really horrible relationships when we met. Um, she was actually still in hers when we met and I had just, I was still married, but living on my own. And we both from day one, were just like, you got a problem to say it. If you want to go see other people, just say it, we'll figure it out. We'll break up. We'll do whatever, but just say it. And mm -hmm. it's, it'd be way easier because we were both cheated on. We were both, uh, there was trust issues in our relationships and we we're just like, if we're going to do this, let's just be open about it. And it's been the best 15 years of my life. So yeah, that's good. And uh, sometimes it takes that, that experience, that trauma or that negative experience to form who you need to be so that you can be a better person for, for that next chapter in your life. Right? Like not everybody has one chapter of, of a relationship. There's lots of people that have multiple chapters, right? I have multiple adventures, but with the same person. So we right. blow up our <laughs> lives and we do all sorts of crazy things. That's what we do. Yeah, us too. We we packed up and moved from the suburbs to a farm, and then decided to sell the farm and move into an RV. Like, just... if you're making moonshine, uh, I mean, you got the whole thing going. <laughs> um, so I love the tip. I love the tip um, about the going for the walk. Like you were saying that, I was like, oh, because it's relaxing. And then you brought up the not facing each other, and I was like, wow, okay, that was easy. Um, for sure. That's, that's just that general body language, um, and, and feeling comfortable, but, uh, any other tips for, uh, working with a spouse? I mean, you've, you've thrown a couple out there so far, but, um, are there any huge ones that you always like to, uh, to put out there besides the going for a walk to talk? I think the next thing that I would want to talk about for people is, um, and I'm still trying to master this superpower is managing to turn it off. When you're, when you're an entrepreneur, um, you're just kind of like always on, like your brain, brain is just always on. And especially when you work with the person and, and you're married to them. And, and, and if you're both always on like work, this, I, like I said, I, I'm still trying to master this. This is an important thing. Uh, when you go into business together to try and carve out that, that time where it's just like, no, like we're. Like work, work is shut off immediately. This is, like I said, it's, it's easier said than done. And there's lots of times where I'm going for a walk with the dog and I'm thinking about all these projects or all these people I got to call or, you know, what bills need to get paid or, or whatever. But uh, car, carve out that time to just be you again. That's, 
that's a that's a huge thing you know and i'm, and I'm struggling with that right now because i'm doing all sorts of things and 400 things and when you're building when you're initially building it's it's a lot and she's working full-time and i'm trying to do like six full-time jobs on my own uh, and i don't dedicate that time and we've talked about it and we've we're we're trying to figure out ways to do that like tuesday nights there's no phones or things like that um yeah. but yeah. this this interview being pre-recorded is actually one of the things that i'm doing for her um and myself but we're we're going on a road trip and instead of doing live interviews while we're on our trip uh we're going to be gone for like 20 days or 29 days uh, it's all pre-recorded. Like I'm still going to do my morning stuff and I still have to work a little during the day to keep things going. That's a long time to be away when you, uh, aren't getting PTO and somebody's taking your stuff for you. Yeah. But I am saying nothing at night. I, I need to spend that time with my wife and, uh, the people we're going to see and enjoying the trip we're going on. And so, man, I'm busting it out. Like 11 interviews in two weeks I'm recording, uh, to, <laughs> to, then I got to publish them all and all that stuff. But it's going to be worth it. It's going to be so worth it to be able to sit down with her and shut my phone off and not worry about what's going on. Not worry about, hey, who's that contact that just sent me a message? Because I'm off tonight. I'm right. off for every night for the month of July. And it's going to be phenomenal. And it's going to stress me out for the first like week, I'm sure. I'm going to be like, oh, my God. But hopefully, hopefully when we get back. I stick to just my Monday night and my Thursday night and everything else stays the same where evening comes and it's our time. And yeah. I can see that being even a bigger challenge if we were doing this together. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I've been struggling with it and I think fixing it when I'm doing it myself will help us do it when eventually we can work together. Yeah, I think I think you nailed it on the head there. You put that phone away, you put it on airplane mode at, at a certain time, let's say eight o'clock. I know that's pretty early, but man, if think about that little bit of precious quality time that you do have with your family in, in an evening. Let's say let's say a regular person maybe only has four hours a day with their family. Maybe. So one of our traditions is we always have dinner together like me, me and the kids and my wife, and it's only 15 or 20 minutes, but our kids are like almost teenagers, right? They're too cool to hang out with us. So at least that's our, it gets worse. It gets way yeah. worse. It's our, it's our protected time where it's just us, but you know, there's so many people that probably stop working and then they just sit on their phones. They're maybe beside their spouse, but they're just goofing on their phones and not even being together. Right. So right. this is uh, I think this is a, a thing that uh, a very a very good thing to turn the phone off and you know talk play a board game together we got some board games like yeah, play some cards just anything Stare Go for at a walk. each other <laughs> yeah take the dog for a walk I always take the dog for a walk he's a good excuse the ironic thing and that that came of that is when i first met her what initially brought us together is what i would sit and talk to her and listen to her because I was bored. I was lonely. That was my, that was my reason. And she was in a relationship where she couldn't talk to someone. And so we just hung out as friends and talked weird yeah, yeah. <laughs> the relationship, a very strong one that way. <laughs> right. Well, that's how you become friends first, right? Like that yeah. we, we kind of like, we were so young, right? Like what did we know about anything when we were 15, we just walked and we talked and we became best friends. And next thing you know, when we're like, 16 or 17 then we started to you know really date go out and right. you know like like right. be a real couple but we spent like those formidable years just like really getting to know each other and becoming best friends so right. um that's hey yeah. we're uh we're coming coming close up on an hour here i always like to give kind of the guests the the free reign at the end um Talk about uh talk about what your company what you got going on books and um where people find you and uh, feel free to lay out any kind of final thought you want and uh we'll kind of wrap it up after that yeah sounds good so uh our original website is kpdesign.ca.ca because it's canada and we're also partnering with our business coach and mentor uh, aaron marcus from conqueryourbusiness.com and she brings the um business consulting and planning and strategy tool 
uh, in like in like a, a beautiful puzzle piece network with our website and branding and SEO services. So we're combining those kinds of services together and it's starting to take off like crazy. So we're having some major success. A lot of our, one of the big problems we were having was our clients were coming to us and not really having a, a direction or not knowing, and then really like leaning on us to create so much of their business for them when, I mean, that's that's, what you do. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of what we do, but it's like, man, I can't be your business, right? So <laughs> you got to give um, me an idea. <laughs> yeah, we can kind of take some shots in the dark, but man, this, this, so this uh, team up here, this, uh, well, I, I like to call it like a Voltron thing where we like join forces with like people, other people with superpowers and, and come together with our clients. And then we just create like amazing brands and websites that, you know, like elevate people's companies and get found and just take it take it to the next level. So it's uh it's an exciting time to be an entrepreneur. It's an exciting time to help other people that want to make a difference in the world. And like we always say that we want to work with change makers and and people that are are doing incredible things. And you know, it's it's an amazing place where we live. And there's a lot of us doing a lot of good things. And we want to be you know right in there with them. So nice. Nice. I'll have uh, I'll have that. I'll have your website in the in the video description for sure. Um, is there a target um, kind of a target size business that that uh, that you specialize in? Is it small, medium, large, any? I would say for the most part, we do a, a lot of medium, medium. Uh, but we've we've also done small and we're hoping to get into the big as well. Like uh, but I, I would say me, small to medium for the most part. And Man, if we can land a whale, that would be pretty cool too. I'd be, uh, you know, if Coca-Cola comes calling, I'll do my best, right? <laughs> You're not gonna hang up on him. <laughs> yeah, I won't hang up on him. If they, I if mean, they I'll, I'll hear you. I'll, I'll hear you out, maybe. Yeah. Hey, you want to change the logo? We got you covered. Perfect. Perfect. Um, any final thoughts, man? You play it out there. Anything? Any topic? Any topic? Anything you want to say? And uh, and uh, the floor is yours. Go ahead. Oh man. So for books, like check out our book, uh, partners and everything. I'm actually really proud of that book. Uh, our section is probably about 75 pages. Um, you can get it on Amazon partners and everything. It's written by, uh, Kathy and Alex Pauls co, co we're our co-authors and then Hank and Sharon Uloff. They're also on there. Um, as far as some books that I'm reading that are super cool right now, uh, what do I got going on here? We got, uh, Oh man, Profit First. If you are a entrepreneur, check out this book, Profit First. I don't get any kickbacks off of it, but it's a really cool way to set up your finances. Uh, really counterintuitive thinking. Um, uh, I can't say enough good things about the author, Mike Makowitz. So uh, check check that out. That's also on there. Um, that's helped. That's helped our business quite a bit. And yeah. That's it. I mean, I could just do an episode just on books with you if you wanted. But I, I, I'm just constantly reading. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I so I jotted all those names down. I'll get I'll get uh, links to all of them in the in the video notes if anybody wants to check them out further. And I encourage everybody to kind of kind of check your stuff out and check out the site. And uh, man, it's been a great uh, great chat about uh, all sorts of different stuff. I, I appreciate you coming on and and sharing your thoughts with me. Um, hey. I got to yep. drop you off now and uh, and finish up the show. Sounds good. Thanks, Brian. All right, mate. Thanks for being here. Take care. All right. Alex Pauls with a beautiful conversation. I enjoyed, really enjoyed chatting with him. Uh, different tips on working with spouse, uh, looking at business, jumping in and doing uh, your calling. When, when you hear that calling, taking that leap and going for it, and it seems like it's turned out for the best for him. Check out his stuff. All the links are in the video description and the audio description. I put links to all the books he mentioned there at the end down there also. I appreciate you listening. And if you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with others. You can find it at thelotsproject.com or on Noster Telegram, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Rumble, and Instagram. Be sure to listen on one of your favorite podcast 2.0 value for value podcast players like Podverse or Fountain.fm. Make it a great evening, guys, and we will see you again in the morning.